0: You're listening to the Unhelden News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths Travis Steele is the owner of Steel Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths, faithful volunteer and dramatist, Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast. And now for our unheralded news. The top item is... Reported in Haritz and it's good news, limited good news, but the article here is Hamas urges Palestinians not to jeopardize Egypt's opening of Rafah crossing. The Egyptians have now opened the pedestrian gates at Rafah with Egypt and Gaza. Now the cargo still goes through the Israelis, so in essence the blockade is still continuing limiting building supplies for reconstruction of the damage, which is still very, very extensive from the war, the atrocities of two years ago. But it is significant, and this was reported by the Israeli paper Haritz. Hamas leader Ismail Hanyan urged Gazans on Tuesday to refrain from breaching Egypt's security in order to maintain the Rafah border crossing open. French news agency APF reported, quote, don't do anything that would compromise the reopening of the terminal, unquote. APF quoted Hania as saying, quote, we assure our Egyptian brothers your security is ours and your stability is ours, unquote. On Saturday, Egypt permanently opened the Gaza Strip's main gateway to the outside world after four years of an Egyptian blockade of Gaza that has prevented the vast majority of Gaza's 1.5 million people from being able to travel abroad. So that's a major victory, still a small one, but uh, it allows people to get
1: medical care and so forth. Do you think that the military regime forces in power there have done that, or do you think they'll continue the opening? Or I'm not sure. I guess in the long
0: term... We support another uh, Mubarak dictator type that could be closed up yeah. in a in a heartbeat. The other interesting item from Haritz is a uh, opinion piece by Gideon levy, uh, an intellectual in Israel who is i guess kind of what you 'd call a contrarian, but this was fascinating to me because it 's entitled "One People, One Party." The Lukehead is the biggest party in Israel the says, uh, according to uh, Gideon Levy, in the history of Israel and the biggest in the democratic world. Interesting. He goes on there. If you add up its offspring, siblings, and twins, its representation in the Knesset comes to eighty-six. An amoeba like this that has never been seen before, proliferating to every major party. It's just like the recent disclosure. And this must be in, in Israel that the direct insurance company and the insurance company called 9 Million, which are seemingly two competing companies, are basically one firm. So, too, most political parties in Israel appear under different brands, but they're one party. And continuing on, take, for example, the reactions to Netanyahu's speech to Congress. Only people who would understand that these are basically fellows subsidiary parties can explain the strange significance of the choir in Israel that burst into song, one people, one song. And it goes on down here. But if after an address as a deceptive, and this is referring to Netanyahu's, dangerous and destructive as Netanyahu's, such a, a nearly wall-to-wall consensus is laid bare in the Knesset then a grave injustice is being done, undermining the foundation that lie under those Knesset walls. If that's the case, there is no need for elections, since the political game is fixed in advance. There is nothing to deliberate about either, because there is no significance in making a choice. A vote for almost any party is a vote for Likud, just like the false choice between direct insurance and $9 million. Well, it sounds kind of like uh, the United States of America. We've Democrats got to... <laughs> and Republicans. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Israel is supposed to be a
2: religious state that essentially has sort of a what they refer to as a democracy woven into it. But in effect, it's none of those things. Uh, it, as Mr. Levy comments, it is a uh, oligarchy run by some big guys, and they hassle it out between the Likud party and the labor party with uh, as as he says the Likud party uh, running things pretty much most of the time so business
0: as usual
3: fingers on the same hand huh?
0: yes Okay. moving into our other unheralded news items Chuck tell us a little bit about consumer spending in the US
2: well everyone is worried about real estate prices they're worried
0: about business they're worried about their own
2: inflation situation, they're worried about jobs. And, again, our job here is to unravel these announcements that come out and to try to give a, a sort of a realistic picture of what they really mean. This one, Consumer Spending U.S. Pro- US probably Cooled, came out in Bloomberg News uh, on May 27th, and it's caused the stock market to fire up and start going up again. U.S. consumer spending probably cooled in April, restrained by higher food prices and fuel prices, the economist said before a government report today. Now, that doesn't sound good. Cooling off of the economy is not what's needed. Everybody wants the economy to get stronger, at least uh, most people think they do. Retailers like Walmart stores are feeling the pinch as higher grocery and energy bills force households to cut back on essential items okay, period, then now here's the offset to all this. This is why suddenly the optimism comes back, roaring back in. Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke is among the central bankers who predicts the acceleration of commodity prices will be temporary, providing some relief to Americans who spending accounts for 70% of the economy. So he's saying don't worry about oil prices going up, don't worry about high food prices, don't worry about unemployment, because... This is all temporary, and it's and it's all going to start settling down, and nobody, he never says why he thinks that or how he can possibly believe that, but this is uh, simply the propaganda of the day. Now, at the root of all this, why are businessmen swallowing Bernanke's propaganda story? It's because we have a thing called Quantum Easy 1, which was uh, the huge spending that took place in 2008 through 2010. And then... They came along with QE2, and QE2 is now running out. In July, there won't be any more big spending in QE2. The Federal Reserve has simply bought up all of the government bonds that are in the marketplace that are available, and they're talking about they can't find any more because they bought them all with printed money. So when this runs out, there's fear that we would have, again, slipped back into recession And the hint here, between the lines hint, is that there will be a QE3 that will come roaring along right after QE2 and will be another big phase of government spending. And with that in mind, of course, commodity prices are not going to go down. They'll continue to go up.
0: Okay. Leslie, our next item.
3: Yes. U.S. dropped cluster bombs on Misrata. Press TV, May 29, 2011. A human rights investigation in Libya has found that it was the U.S. and its Western allies who cluster-bombed the troubled city of Misrata back in April. NATO has been bombing Libya since March. Under a U.N. mandate, the alliance must protect civilians caught up in the battle between the opponents of Gaddafi and his loyalists. However, many civilians and even anti-Gaddafi forces have been killed since the Western-led war on Libya began in March. Cluster bombs used by coalition forces in Afghanistan and Iraq have also resulted in civilian casualties. Experts say the main motive behind the Western attack on Libya is the vast oil reserves in the North African country.
0: Any comments?
2: If anyone doesn't know what cluster bombs are, they are supposedly illegal because they they scatter all over and some of them don't go off. It's a lot of little bombs all clustered together that spread out. and Some of them don't go off and then people step on them. So this has been a big contention and the cluster bomb is according to the United Nations is illegal to use.
0: Okay, next item here from the China Times.
2: Okay, this falls into the same idea. Here's Mr. Bernanke, we just talked about him a minute ago, saying that inflation is going to diminish, the, that the commodity prices are not going to stay high, but between the lines, they're going to print a whole lot more money, which will wind up going into commodities. Now, what is the reaction to this? China, who holds billions of U.S., almost a trillion U.S. dollars, doesn't like this at all. And so China has announced that there's an over-reliance on the dollar, They'd like to get off the dollar and go to a different currency. This is the one thing people like Bernanke actually fear. And they would gladly go to war with China before they'd allow China to go off the dollar. Here's what it says. The U.S. dollar has been consistently injected excessively, excessive liquidity into the world economic system. This is Chinese talking. As a result, the U.S. has accumulated a huge trade deficit shared between 91 countries, among which China and Japan are the largest. The U.S. has fulfilled the two above-mentioned conditions for signage, despite possible conflicts of interest between short-term domestic and long-term international economic objectives. The so-called Tiffin Dilemma, which was identified by Professor Robert Tiffin in the late 1950s, had to do with too much money. In 2009, Governor Zhang Zhang Chao of the People's Bank of China raised the question of whether the world would benefit from a super national currency, ideally the International Monetary Fund special drawing rights, to avoid the risk of the Tiffin dilemma. So China's talking about this more and more. They simply want to get away from the dollar because we are printing money faster than the rest of the world can keep up with hate to talk about our country that way, but we are the great printer. Everybody else has a second fiddle. And uh, the, uh, increasingly, these other countries know it and are taking action. You're going to hear us talking more and more about Japan and China because they're the biggest creditors of the United States of America by far. Any thoughts?
3: People's Bank of China. Yeah. yeah
2: now, that, that, of course, is their central bank, but their central bank is tightly controlled by their government leaders. It isn't an independent central bank like our own that basically controls our government leaders. It's sort of the other way around. In China, the central the bankers are under the thumb of the politicians who have the army who run everything. And in China, they're not above hanging the head of the central bank if he does something that the government doesn't like. They have uh, apparently not yet been uh, sold out to the bankers to where the bankers basically can, ha- can hang the president if they want to.
0: Okay, we have a related story, Travis, uh, another Chinese source here.
1: China's not manipulating the yuan. China Daily, May 30th, 2011. The Omnibus Trade and Competitiveness Act of 1988 requires the Treasury Secretary to provide reports on, quote, whether countries manipulate the rate of exchange between their currency and the United States dollar for purposes of preventing effective balance of payments adjustments or gaining unfair competitive advantage in international trade, end quote. With respect to exchange rate policies, ten economies were reviewed in this report accounting for nearly three-quarters of the U.S. trade. Many of the economies have fully flexible exchange rates. A few have more tightly managed exchange rates with varying degrees of management. The report, meanwhile, provided a general assessment of the U.S. and the world economy. Quote, the U.S. economy is recovering from its deepest recession in the post-war period, end quote, it said. Quote, while recent growth is encouraging, the economy still faces significant challenges, end quote. The number one challenge is still in the labor market. The U.S. unemployment rate currently at 9% is not expected to fall significantly this year. The housing market and the long-term fiscal situation are unsustainable, according to the report. As for the world economy, the report noted the global economy recovered strongly in 2010, growing 5% compared with the contraction. An output of 0.5% in 2009, according to the IMF. Well, it sounds like the Chinese have a better understand
0: uh, what's going on here than uh, Ms. Bernanke does. Eh? <laughs> yes,
2: yes, they pretty well understand what's going on here because they're victims, and, uh, and and they simply don't like it. So they they do publish these reports. What they do not say, uh, of course, is that the one great manipulator in the world is the United States, and we manipulate not only other our own currency, but we also manipulate other countries. And uh, there's a story here, I don't know if we'll even have time to cover it, but Japan production picks up with a weak outlook, a financial time story, and this talks about Japan, and it, again, it's the same story. Japan is doing pretty well, but the United States is pushing Japan to dilute their currency more to keep up with the dilution of our currency, because This is why the Japanese have been able to accumulate 800 billion U.S. dollars, is because they've had a a more stable currency than the U.S.A. has. So our effort here is to actually force other countries to weaken their currency. We want them to be as bad as us. In a nutshell, that is the U.S. monetary policy with other countries. Make sure everybody is as big a printer
0: as we are. Okay, thanks. We've got one final item here. Leslie,
3: APAC Special Session for Christian Zionist Students, New Trend Magazine, May 31, 2011. Special Session for Christian Zionists. The conference included a special luncheon for black Zionists and pro-Zionists, as well as a session for Christians called Understanding Christian Support for the Jewish State, geared at examining the roots of Christian Zionism. The latter targeted the 66 Zionist student leaders in attendance. The conference included a special session recognizing student Zionist leaders. 1,500 students, most of them white, attended the conference. These included 215 elected student government presidents, Numbers from APAC's website, the student government presidents came from campuses including the University of Chicago, UC Berkeley, Columbia, and Vanderbilt. Interestingly, Brigham Young University, a Mormon institution, and Morehouse College, a historically black college, also had Zionist student body presidents In attendance at APAC's conference, Zionist students from the University of Florida were awarded for developing new models of pro-Israel leadership on and beyond their campus, and for soliciting letters of support for Israel from campus leaders, as well as for lobbying local Congress members on issues of concern to the pro-Israel community.
0: Thank you. They're certainly doing their homework. We took our hats off to the Students for Justice in Palestine group and what they're doing, but it certainly is shadowed by the power and might of of AIPAC, the most influential political lobbyist in the United States, actually. It's only second probably in size to ARP for old folks like myself. Any comments, Chuck, would you like?
2: No, it speaks for itself. It's a shocking thing that uh, they're able to uh, organize like this. Of course, there are Zionists on every campus and every corner, and one would be interesting to know who those 65 pastors were who attended. And um,
3: 66.
2: 66, okay. It would be nice to know. Uh, that would be an interesting list to have and to look into their churches and to uh,
0: try to uh, do something to reach those churches. They're probably pastors who have had John Hagee's Christians United for Israel Night to Honor Israel, I would guess. We participated in a protest uh, a little over a year ago in Mesa, where Kufi, Christians United for Israel, was hosting a
1: pastor's
0: luncheon and their thrust was getting students. They were going to give them free tuition to courses in, sh- in Washington, their national convention. The idea was to, to, to bring in, so it sort of dovetails with what APAC is doing here. Yeah. Many times Romans 13 in the New Testament is used to justify wars by governments. Find out in our next week's Pharisee Watch.
3: Does Romans 13 justify serial wars? During the Cold War era, evangelists led by Billy Graham provided public support for rearmament to protect the USA from quote-unquote godless communism. Now, neo-Christian churches continue to provide the only significant grassroots support for U.S. serial wars against Muslim countries. All of us need to know how Christian scripture has been misapplied and in some cases, rewritten and distorted by interpretation to allow support for the USA's policies. We will take an educated layman's view of the Christian scripture that we are told allows church leaders to justify U.S. destruction of smaller and weaker Muslim countries, as well as Israel's occupation and imprisonment of 1.5 million Palestinians in Gaza. We will examine... Biblical scriptures, as a student, would be expected to study from a history or a physics textbook, deriving the meaning of thoughts from the words themselves in context with the author's stated thesis and purpose in writing the book. In other words, we will use common sense rather than any preconceived neo-Christian concepts to unravel what the authors of a 2,000-year-old text meant.